The following content has been rated for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. Well, I'm not an expert. I'm not an authority. I'm someone who has been a murderer for almost 20 years. Maybe I should have killed four or five hundred people, then I would have felt better. People say Ted Bundy didn't show any emotion. There must be something in that. I showed emotion. You know what people said? See, you really can get violent and angry. Welcome to The Squawk and the Hag, a podcast about murder, mystery, the supernatural, and even a conspiracy or two. Dun, dun, dun. My name is Mo. And I'm Kraken. And this week is a Krako Tale. I feel like we need some sort of like fun intro for Krako Tales, like the DuckTales song. Oh my god, we, we do. I, I need a Krako Tales theme song. <laughs> Grab but... your juice boxes and your snacks. It's Krako <laughs> story time. <laughs> but welcome in everybody. This week, Kraken has a... Well, he calls it a surprise story because I literally only know the name and I did not do any Googling. I was a good little girl and did not do that. So I know nothing about this story whatsoever. So you guys are going to experience it at the same time as me. And it's always fun doing that because it's fun hearing your reaction to certain things. (laughs) This is true. This is true. Quick before we start, I do want to say that last night we actually added some new merch to the store. So if you guys are ever in the mood to represent the podcast, there will be a link in the description to our merch store that you can check out. And we would greatly appreciate it. And I already ordered some. Alrighty. So how about you start telling us the harrowing tale i don't know if it's actually harrowing but i always like hearing about harrowing no tales. but it's it's a, it's a lot of wow moments oh just, okay it's one of those off the wall stories that just make you go okay then Fair all enough. right well why don't you tell us about the off the wall story of the will harris murder spree yeah, so I was actually out of town last week for a concert in Asheville, North Carolina, and I had the opportunity to go on a uh, what they refer to as a ghost tour. The person who actually owns the business has been on Travel Channel with ghost hunters and stuff like that. I don't have his name right off, but it's Asheville Ghost Adventures, I think, if anyone wants to look it up. It's a very good tour. It goes over, I think, like a mile, and it's about two hours long. They take you to a few locations and tell you different stories. And I learned a lot of history of the city because the the tour guide that I I had was very good. And he knew like the history of the city and everything. That's awesome. Like Um, I went out to San Francisco one time and it wasn't a ghost tour. It was just one of those double decker bus tours. It would have been like cheesy and fine and, you know, fun and all that stuff. But the tour guide was amazing. And like I wanted to just stay on that double decker bus the whole day. Because yeah, like our, a, our tour guide, he was very energetic and like he, like I said, he had a lot of knowledge about the, the town and like he was a good entertainer. It wasn't all serious, like he would crack jokes here and there. So like it was it was a good mix of history, spooky stories that's and just, awesome. a, just a mix of several different things. They that's even awesome. do um, an occult tour <clears throat> on the weekends where they talk about uh, there's apparently a, a witch tree in the town square of Asheville. Whoa. So, hadn't had a chance to look that up yet, but apparently that's a thing. That's awesome. 
but this uh this story this was one that was one of the longer stories that he told me that kind of stuck out because i even took a photo the the thumbnail for this story is actually the photo i took of the building where one of the murders happened in the doorway and that actually ties in about your lovely new hobby of photography how's it going by the way i saw you posted a bunch of really pretty pictures on twitter I'm enjoying it. I'm just going with like the basic settings on the camera. I haven't gotten into all the fancy stuff with like setting the shutter speed and stuff like that because I am afraid I will break something. Well, I always look at photography. Um, we're going on a tangent. I'm sorry. Ansel Adams is one of the greatest photographers of all times. And he would take photographs with a crappy Polaroid camera. And it has nothing to do with the equipment, like obviously nicer equipment, is going to have yeah. some quality perks and stuff like that. But you don't need the most expensive camera in the world to be an amazing photographer. There's skill with lighting and positioning and framing and, you know, all that kind of stuff that you don't need to change all the fancy settings and do all the crazy stuff to be a good photographer. So I don't think... It's necessarily a bad thing to not change those settings. Yeah. Some of the photos that I posted on Twitter were uh, my chance to play around with lighting because it was a really old estate house and it was basically a castle. Oh, so that's awesome. there was no electricity. So some of the rooms were darker and you only have the light coming in through the windows. So like mm -hmm. I got to play around with like how different lighting affects things and how it makes it look. So it was a fun little experiment. But this took place around November 12th, 1906. And it talks about Will Harris. He was a convict who had a large criminal record from everything from like burglary all the way to assault and even um, the murder of a police officer. But years before all of this, he was working on a chain gang located in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is not very far from me. When he pulled off his first escape, the city would then hire its first African-American detective, a man named Van Griffin, to track him down and bring him back in. So Griffin arrested him and brought him back to the county jail where he escaped again. And Griffin <laughs> went back after him one more time and caught him. But this time they decided to take him a little further. They took him to Raleigh, North Carolina. And he I escaped always, again. Oh my God. I always find it fascinating when you hear these stories of these people that just keep escaping prison and keep escaping, escaping, escaping. Like Ted Bundy. I don't know if you knew this. He escaped the one time for like a week and a half or something like that. Yeah, I remember uh, something about that. Yeah, I don't know the yeah. full details, but. Yeah, and it's just like it just boggles my mind because like when you think of a prison and, you know, the big heavy bars and the thick concrete walls and you're under lock and key and someone's always there watching you. It's like, how do you yeah. escape? Well, as we're about to learn, some police stations were, like, heavily understaffed back then. Oh. So that could have also been an issue. But they got him to Raleigh, and he escaped a third time. So he wanted to get away from Griffin's jurisdiction and just, like, avoid him at all costs because he keeps catching him. So he went all the way to Asheville, and he wanted to meet up with his old girlfriend, Molly Maxwell. He was, his, during his time in prison, he would send her letters from prison telling her that he was going to come see her once he got out and all of this stuff. And she didn't want anything to do with him. 
So Molly began seeing wanted posters appearing around town that he had got out. And she was like, I, okay, I don't want anything to do with this. I'm, I'm going to go leave and stay with family somewhere else. I, I don't want any part of this. So she yeah, went to Yeah, I don't blame a, her. <laughs> yeah. She's like, this, this is not any of my business. I'll let someone else handle this. Yeah. So she, she left town and went to another small town, which is about 30 minutes away. It's called Hendersonville. Uh, so upon arriving in Asheville on November 12th, Harris got there and he couldn't find Molly anywhere. He Apparently she had stayed in this apartment, so he kind of knew the general area of where she lived and everything. He couldn't find her. But he did find her sister, Pearl, who was working as a waitress in a nearby diner. So he does his thing and kind of stalks her for a bit to kind of figure out before just directly approaching her. He wanted to find out where she lived. So he followed her wait, to... Wait. Hmm? If you were trying to find your your girlfriend or your ex-girlfriend or something like that, why would you stalk her sister instead of just being like, hey, have you seen her? You know where she is? Hi. Well, I mean, probably because his face is on wanted posters all around, but I mean, that's just a guess. I'm <laughs> guessing he didn't want to give his, give away his location to too many people, but I, I, I have no idea. I don't know how criminals think. This is true. Neither do I. <laughs> but... So he followed her around, and he found that she was living in an apartment building near the corner of Valley Street and Eagle Street. It was an area of town that they called the Devil's Half Acre. Why? I could not figure this out. I have no idea. This was around the time of segregation. It was still kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So this area was an African-American communi community where segregated okay. African-Americans could live and run their businesses and stuff. So once he located this apartment... He decides to do a little bit of shopping before he goes to talk to Pearl. Because that's I don't what know one how does. He, and I don't know how he had money. I'm guessing he robbed some people or something along the way. It doesn't really. The story doesn't really say where he got this money from. Oh yeah, because he went straight. Yeah, he sh he escaped prison and ended up here. Yeah, but he had about thirty five dollars because that's what he spent. He bought a new set of clothes, a three oh three rifle, very high powered rifle that was often used for hunting bear. He bought a jug Were of bourbon. Were there a lot of bears in Asheville? <laughs> I mean, it is a mountain mountain town, so I mean, it's possible. Just roaming the street, head, headed into the bar, like, rawr, I'll have a beer, you know, I went please. into a tourist town in Tennessee one time, and there was a bear literally outside the hotel, or one oh of the God. hotels, just climbing the tree. Oh so, God. yeah, it's possible. Okay, you know what? I have highly misjudged the South. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. When you get up into the mountains, it's not it's not abnormal to just see bears roaming around the streets. Like, you, you're going to probably run into a bear. But new clothes, high-powered rifle, a jug of bourbon, and a Coke. I mean, and we as all, one does. Yeah, and we all know what Coke had in it around this time. There's a reason so, they call it Coke. Yep. So after he got all of his groceries, Harris went up to Pearl's I apartment. I thought how you consider those groceries. I mean, Bourbon Coke and a high-powered rifle. <laughs> it's um, just everyday groceries. You know, it's fine. Stocking up the house, you know. But after yeah. he got all of his supplies, Harris went up to Pearl's apartment and made his way to s inside to see if he could get information from Pearl about where Molly was. So her boyfriend, Tony Johnson, gets to the apartment. Upon arriving at the apartment, he meets Will Harris at the door, who is pointing his rifle through the door at Tony and tells him, I think you need to be somewhere else. Uh, so I, Johnson, you, being a smart man, decides to just leave the building and, and go somewhere else. I, how? 
okay, this is this is where words are failing me. How how does someone think that that's a a good idea to do? B the way you talk to another human being, and C, okay, knock on the door, aim rifle, get out. What that doesn't compute. There, there's a lot of things that's going to make you lose your words here. So oh, no. this is just the beginning. Oh, no. So Johnson complied and left the building because, you know, he's got this big rifle pointed at his face. So he's like, I'm not going to hang around here. I'm, I'm going to leave. He went to the local police department, which was like right down the street from this apartment building. So at this time, the town was so small, there was not many officers working this shift. In fact, there were only three officers for this whole town that night. So they send two of them. Mr. Page and Mr. Blackstock. They go to the apartment where Tony told them that a man who he believed to be Will Harris was inside with his girlfriend and that he was armed. So the officers got there to the room that was, this room was located in the basement of the, the building okay. where they were. And the basement leading up to, like, I guess the hallways and stuff, it was dark down there. So Blackstock took the lead with the flashlight. Page was close behind. And about this time when they get to the door of the apartment, Will Harris, I guess, hears them coming and fires a shot through the door, hitting Mr. Blackstock in the stomach and killing him instantly. Oh. So at this point, Paige draws his revolver, which, again, being different times, they had a much smaller caliber handgun than what Harris had. So they were already outgunned. Yeah, because I, I don't foresee many police ever carrying bear hunting rifles unless you're in, like, the... Alaskan wilderness. Yeah. But either way, Paige began to return fire, but he was struck in the right shoulder. But he somehow managed to keep a grip on his pistol and retreat back into a dark corner of the basement while Harris kept firing out the door. So he just kind of like got into a dark corner and hid because he knew this was not going to go well. Yeah. So Harris left the apartment building and it's supposedly that it said that he stopped in the crosswalk outside of the apartment and began waving his gun around and firing a couple rounds into the air, claiming to be the devil. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So okay. Paige escaped the building and went to get backup, which was just this one other officer that they had at the, in the police station, J.W. Bailey, who he informed that Will Harris was armed and headed toward town and that Blackstock was dead. Bailey went across the square, which is like their main park, to Patton Avenue, while Paige went down South Main Street, and they were going to try to cut him off and surprise him. I don't know why they thought that was a good idea, but they were hopeful. I mean, what else would you do? There's not much else you they, can do. Crazy man running around with a bear hunting rifle, shooting willy-nilly. Obviously, mm -hmm. you're going to... Specifically, Harris was walking up Eagle Street, and he was shooting anything that moved. He was just, if it was on the street and it moved, he was going to shoot it. Why? I, he was angry and he was looking for Molly and he was drunk. Remember, he had a Coke and a jug of bourbon. Yeah, but that's still, I don't think that, Yeah. I don't think that's a good reason. I don't think there's any good reason to, you know, just shoot anything that moves like No, because like I mean, but. it could be like a kid. It could be a cat. It could be, like, these are not the objects yeah. of your disdain. These are just random things that happen to move. Yeah, apparently Harris didn't care. I guess there's uh, a he, reason that he escaped from jail many times, because he yeah. was a terrible person. In fact, he killed three people during this rampage. Surprisingly, it was only three. It's still bad, but... Oh, 
God. It wasn't more. Did it say, were they, like, adults? Were they... Yeah, it was all adults that were involved. If you really want to make it worse, there was a dog that was involved in an alleyway. I won't Aww. go into any further detail there other than that, because it's, yeah, it's it's bad. I don't want to sound callous or awful, but, like, a human being, they hear a gunshot, they understand what a gunshot is, they... I, it's yeah. horrible that they were shot and you know I, I would never say that, that but like an animal doesn't understand it's just loud noise what was that and you know they get scared by loud noises so he, yeah. this poor animal heard this loud noise probably was running because they were scared of the noise and then they were shot because this guy is a monster yes but the ending, will, what what happens in the ending might make you feel a little better. I Let's just say justice was had, and you will see. He killed three people during this rampage down Eagle Street. And like I said, the thumbnail is actually one of the, the locations that one of the murders happened. There was a man uh, who was operating his business in that store. He heard the commotion outside and wanted to see what was going on, so he sticks his head out the door, as they do back then. It was just like, you know, what's what's going on out here? And he was shot in the face. Unfortunately, there was another man named Tom Neal who was hit in the leg, but the bullet ricocheted off of a coin in his pocket, and the bullet went upward into his lower stomach. Neal attempted to make it to Dr. Bryant's office, which was apparently nearby, but unfortunately, the injury was too bad, and he didn't make it to the office before he collapsed in the street. So, at this point, Harris is going on South Main, still firing, and as he turned and he shot at a man named George Jackson, luckily the bullet only tore a hole through his clothing, but didn't break the skin, and it kept on going, and I'm guessing lodged itself in a tree or something. As, as this is happening, Paige is hearing these shots, and he went down the east side of South Main at only a few yards distance from Harris, and they end up in a brief gunfight now, before they continue. Now, he's the one that was shot, correct? Yes, Paige is the one that was hit in the shoulder, who's barely holding onto his gun at this point. He's having okay. to use his left hand. Oh, okay. Paige and Harris are, have a brief gunfight before they continue down the street. Page was keeping his distance, but kind of still keeping an eye on where he's going. And Officer Bailey, who had gone down Patton Avenue to a cafe for help, heard the gunfight between Page and Harris and ran across the square to a local hardware company to meet him head on and kind of cut him off. And along the way, there were several people that were outside this hardware store, and he called out to several people because they were all coming out to try to see what was going on and where they needed to go to get away from it. And he called out to these people, and his last words were, I deputize you to help me in this. So after making it across the square, Bailey takes up a position behind a telephone pole in front of this hardware building. And from this position, he had a gunfight with Harris until a shot went through the 12-inch pole and into his chest. This oh. rifle was so powerful, to give you an idea of how powerful it was, the bullet went through the 12-inch pole, through Bailey, and it only stopped when it hit the Vance Memorial behind him in the park. Oh my god. I didn't god. actually, it didn't go over to the park, and I should have later that day, I just didn't have time. Mm -hmm. Supposedly there is a chip in that memorial from where that bullet hit. It, supposedly it hit the, the concrete memorial, knocked a chip off of it, and then turned and went through a local business and lodged itself in the back wall. Oh my, so it didn't even stop at the, the statue. No, it only bounced off of the statue, knocking a chip out of the concrete. Wow. So how, 
I'm just trying to, my brain is trying to process this because he wasn't close when he fired that shot no. either. He was a few so, yards away. So that shot covered that distance, went through the pole, went through a human body, hit a statue, ricocheted, went into a building, and then lodged itself into a wall. Yes. Huh. W Will Harris was not playing around, apparently. <sighs> That just seems like such, like, if I, I would never do anything like this, obviously. But yes. if I was going to go disgruntled with a gun to someone's house, that is not the weapon I would choose. That's like yeah, trying most, most to... Most serial killers pick something that's like, I mean, this guy wasn't a serial killer. I mean, I guess you could kind of classify he it was, as, because he killed um, multiple people, but... I it depends. So he would be more of a spree killer. A serial killer yeah. is someone who repeatedly kills in a similar manner over a span of time. A spree killer right. is someone who just spur of the moment kills a whole bunch of people. So there is a yeah. slight difference there. But, but most know, people just... when they're going to do something like this, they'll pick something a little more compact so that they can conceal it and not really a bear rifle? Give themselves away. Yeah, not really a rifle that they're gonna see, someone's gonna see and be like, that's not good. Yeah, that's just, I'm trying to remember, did this happen at night or was this during the day? Yes, th this was at night. Okay, okay. Judging so, I mean, at least there were... In the story, this was like night going into early morning the next morning. So there weren't as many people out on the street. It wasn't like someone was no, going grocery wasn't, shopping or... Plus, at this time, the town of Asheville was very small. So, like, I mean, they have three police officers for the whole town during that shift. So, I mean, it's not a very mm -hmm. big, busy town. It wasn't well known. So, right. Uh, but, but more people I mean, there would were be businesses open, obviously. So, yeah, but I think more it people was would be out during the day. and then stretched into the night and then through the next morning. But yeah. So, at least it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Yeah. Uh, at this point, like I said, Will Harris shot at Bailey and it went through the pole. It killed Bailey. And then after that, Harris turned and started running down South Main and continuing to fire at several people and through several business windows before he disappeared. Why, Mr. Page went and why got did more. He, he, why did he feel he had to shoot through the windows? Like he already killed a whole bunch of people. There were people in these businesses that were kind of like, kind of trying to glance out the window and see what was going on and what was happening. Cause no one had any clue what was going on. So yeah. he saw movement in these windows and he was just firing at these businesses, trying to hit anyone and anything he could. I know I do a lot of research into serial killers and gruesome crimes and cults and things like that. Like th those are, I don't want to say my specialties, but like those, those are my usual areas of research. And I cannot wrap my head around this. Like I can, I can't either. You know, I have read about, you know, people who have, you know, murdered dozens and dozens of people and I don't understand it but it doesn't make me stutter <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and this I just I can't because when you when you look at those stories serial killers or a, a crime of passion something like that there's usually some sort of 
trigger. There's something in their past. There's the head injuries, like we talked about last week with the chessboard killer. There are all of these factors that they kind of, they don't justify it, but they add up. You know, they were bullied. They had mental health issues. They had head injuries. They had this and that in their past. This, I can't put any pieces together that lead me to this road. And I think that's what I'm struggling with because normally I can I can somehow obviously not understand, not empathize, not agree, but I can get to the point. Whereas this is just like if you're sitting at a baseball game and all of a sudden a Zamboni drives on the field. It's it's like why? It's like where did that come from? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> so it's like I can't I can't wrap my brain around how we got here. Like yes, he was a criminal. Yes, he did he he was arrested and escaped from jail and yada yada, but where did this even come from? Yeah, cuz like like I said, he'd been arrested for a little bit of everything and apparently even murder of a police officer, so not sure what his past was before all of this so well to me that sounds like someone who was in trouble with the law and probably killed a cop trying to get away or in an altercation they were trying to arrest him or something like that but that is so different from showing up to your ex-girlfriend's sister's house with a bear hunting rifle and then going on a murder spree Yeah, that escalated very quickly. We need Ron Burgundy right now. Yes. Anyway, sorry. Continue. This is fine. I don't mind the tangents. Again, this is what we do. This is true. This is true. I just always feel not guilty, but I'm like, oh, sorry. I interrupted and took it in a completely different direction. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then it's like that. That's the point of these stories is to, you know, go through them and then kind of like pick it apart as we go. This is true. But it's like that meme where they're like, you know, stop apologizing all the time. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry for apologizing for apologizing all the time. It will happen again. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it's just... This is... Where do you... Okay, Kraken. Okay. Where do you find this stuff? Like, you always come... You always find the craziest, most off-the-wall stories. And I love them because it's not something I would ever look for myself like i would not even know where to start this tour i said was very good and like they they basically went through i found a little bit more details and a few other names and stuff than what they gave me on the tour because we only have like an hour for it but they basically Mm -hmm. gave me the gist of like this whole story as we were taking the tour and they actually told me about a bunch of different stories that i was not aware of that happened in the town of Asheville, and i would have never known had i not taken this tour yeah that's crazy I think it's I think it's interesting and it kind of highlights that when when you grow up somewhere or you live somewhere or whatever you you're like oh yeah it's whatever it's the place but you never realize every single town has yeah. these stories and just digging All it takes is a little bit of digging yeah just digging in a little bit whether it's you know through especially a, if it's a historical town oh yeah Oh, yeah, the historical towns have the good ones. But it's like, you know, you just do a tiny little bit of digging. You go on those tours. You read, all, you know, old newspapers. Uh, you talk to your family. 
uh, I actually, that's a little bit of a, a preview. Next week was actually going to be a story that my sister told me about. Yes, we plan our episodes, guys. Believe it or not. Yes, we totally know <laughs> what we're doing. No, we don't. But it's just so crazy of how these places that you walk around and see all the time, there's so much history and there's so many things that have happened. I know there, I was in a Discord server for um, true crime stuff that these two girls were talking about a story that had happened where they lived previously and they were like I never knew this happened here and they're like I can never go down this street again without thinking about it I can never look at that building again and it's just crazy how pretty much anything that has been standing for a while you know my house is 120 years old I can only imagine what has happened here I mean I you probably don't want to know (laughs) well there are times where I like see stuff out of the corner of my eye and I'm completely alone and I'm like, oh, my house is haunted. That's so, not to just think about. It's best to not think about that. Let's just not worry about that. I try to tell myself, so we had a, a cat that passed away. And I try to tell myself that it's just Chewie checking up on his little brother. There you go. That's how I get through that, it that, without... That's all it is. Yeah, otherwise I would just cry myself to sleep every night thinking that the ghost is going to kill me. You know, yeah. it's just... It's so crazy to think of how much history, especially like you said, in these historical towns. It's just... Yeah. It's awesome. I love it. Back to here in the story. Harris has killed J.W. Bailey and has now ran down South Main and disappeared after firing randomly at some businesses and windows and stuff. Mr. Page went back to the police department to get more ammo and hurried off to the square where he discovered the body of Officer Bailey. So at this point, Chief of Police Bernard had just reached his home on Chestnut Street when he was notified by telephone of what was going on in town so he sounded the riot alarm with the fire bell because apparently that's that's how they they sounded the the alarm for when something bad was going on i can imagine that was probably like the loudest thing in town oh i'm sure but men quickly responded but there was a slight delay due to the lack of weapons and ammo once they got these items every able-bodied person in this town who had a gun was deputized to hunt this man down they basically oh my god <laughs> yeah, they were like, if you are able to go after this man and you have a gun and you know how to use it you're now a deputy you're you're in you're in this come with me harris uh, the, uh, we don't know if he wanted to go here because he knew that molly had family in hendersonville or not but he was on his way to hendersonville he was headed that way on foot and he's again he's still looking for molly so he arrived just for a quick refresher here he got in town on november 12th and began his rampage on the afternoon of the 13th just so we're clear on like dates and stuff here so he was in town for a little bit before he started all of this so early that following morning uh the town of Asheville was just flooded with armed citizens apparently like the entire town was in town square like organizing to go hunt this man down Men gathered on horseback, there were dogs, police, sheriffs, there were around 200 to 300 armed citizens sent out on the search for him. And the search lasted for actually two days. With it being a small, underdeveloped town, like there was still a lot of brush and woods and stuff around, the roads weren't really developed, and so I guess they were going everywhere because they don't know which way he went. They, they didn't know he was going to Hendersonville. 
but, but they had like railway workers on the lookout for him. They brought in bloodhounds by train. They were bringing in everything they could for this man. And on November 15th, he was found sleeping in a barn outside the town of Fletcher, which is like eight miles away. Uh, the, the way that they found him was uh, he left behind a coat that he had bought that had his scent on it. He left it behind at Pearl's apartment, and one of the bloodhounds was able to pick up on a scent and lead them in the direction of where he was at. Oh, wow. Funny enough, uh, in researching this, I found the bloodhound's name, and it is the best name ever. The, the, the dog's name was Biscuit Eater. Biscuit Eater? <laughs> so yeah. I work with a guy who has a kitten named Puddlebutt, and I think random animal names like that are my favorite thing in the world. They're, they're perfect. Like, I, I feel like I need to go back and rename my cats. No, I mean, your, your cats already have, like, pretty iconic names, so... Uh, can't go wrong at, with At this Bubba. point, you're... Yeah, at this point, your cat's names are, like, household names. Like, everyone knows your cats at this point. <laughs> and by everyone, you mean, like, our six friends. <laughs> yeah, and everybody that we tell. This is true. This is true. But they found Biscuit Harris... Uh, did, yeah, Bis that, did Biscuit Eater get some biscuits for his hard work? Oh, I'm sure he did. Yeah, November 15th, they found him sleeping in a barn outside Fletcher. Actually, a group of uh, men that was led by a railroad agent named Frank Jordan. I don't know why they decided to wake him up, but someone from the group fired at Harris for, with a shotgun. And this woke him up, and he dove into some nearby bushes for cover. And he promised to kill anyone who got too close. And so he just, you know, started firing his rifle into the air over their heads just to kind of scare them off. They backed off, and waited for the others to arrive they were keeping an eye on the area where he was to make sure that like he didn't slip out and get away mm -hmm. but they were back far enough that he, he thought they had left i'm guessing so he's still when he bought this rifle uh, I, this is just making me think it, i'm thinking back to the uh north hollywood shootout yeah how much ammo did he have I have uh, no idea because like, I don't know how much some of this stuff costs. I know stuff was cheaper back then, so like yeah. you spent thirty-five bucks on all this stuff. So I have no idea. But that included the gun. Yeah. So like, like back I feel then, like that kind of didn't... stuff was like five bucks. So. Yeah, like I, I wonder, like, because he went through a lot of bullets. Yeah, he did. And it's like, how much? Oh, does we're gonna he hear. Have we're, and... we're gonna hear about a lot of bullets here in a few minutes. Oh, no. It doesn't specify what kind of rifle it is. So, I mean, we don't know if it's like, put one bullet in, shoot, then put another bullet in like that. Or if it's oh, like, Lord. you can put so many in it. Or like, I have no clue. I couldn't figure that part out. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Because it was like, every shot you have to reload. That's... Yeah, apparently with his continuous fire, I would think it was something that like, he could load multiple bullets in there at a, at a time. So Yeah. This group is now waiting for others to arrive, and Will Harris is hiding in these bushes. Very soon, a train with a, holding a group of over 100 men arrive on scene, and they all begin, every one of them began firing into the bush where he is hiding. When they finally stopped firing, the sheriff had to tell them to stop firing, because they would not stop. They fired over 500 bullets at this bush, and Harris That's... had over 100 bullet wounds and his body was smoking. Oh my god. 
apparently when they got him out of the bush it was so he was so badly mangled that they could barely tell who it was that they know it was him but it was so badly mangled that you could barely recognize him okay just kind of going back a little bit you said he was hiding in a bush was it like in a cartoon where it's like you can see the person behind the bush or was it like underbrush where it was like a whole bunch of stuff that would be hard to see i think it was just uh like an overgrown patch of land where it's like a bunch of bushes and trees and stuff like that okay um okay so then growing up area behind barn somewhere right over that way yeah because i was gonna say like 500 bullets that's a lot of bullets but only 100 hit him I'm guessing they were just like, he's somewhere over here, so we're just going to light up this whole yeah. entire grown-up area, and we're going to hit him at some point, because I know he didn't leave, so. Yeah, that's, wow, that's. But wait, there's more. Oh, what? <laughs> they took his body back to the town of Asheville, where they hung it up in the town square for over a week. They Ew. put his body on public display for a, over a week. Okay, I have a few, a few things here. Yes. First of all, ew. Second, <laughs> uh, <laughs> first, uh, it would be drippy. Uh huh. It would smell. And who I mean, was to walk down the street November. looking? Wasn't eh? in summer, so I mean, it could have been worse. It, it could have been worse. But like, who wants to walk down the street and like, yeah, okay, yay, they got him, all that stuff. But I don't want to walk to work and see drippy Will Harris smelling up the joint, hanging from a pole. I mean, he angered the whole town, so I guess they were just like, here's an example. If you if you shoot up this town, this is what will happen. That- now the, the, the bit of good news after, after all of that. A reward had been created immediately after the shooting, and the group that shot Harris had requested the money be sent to the widows of Officer Blackstock and Officer Bailey. Oh. And uh, Harris's gun was actually given to the captain, I guess is like, a reward? I Well, I mean they, they gave Harris's gun to the to, to the police captain. I guess it's reason, maybe but... a little bit of like a trophy which sounds very serial killer-ish, but yeah. it's like, you know, you brought down this I I guess notorious spree killer or you helped bring down or something and you lost men in the process. So hang this on your wall. I forgot to include it in here, but supposedly, I'm guessing they finally took his body down and, like, buried it somewhere, but, like, no one really knows what happened to the body after it was hung up in town center. It just kind of disappeared one day. The following year, due to all of this, uh, the city of Asheville actually prohibited the sale of alcohol because of Harris's drunken shooting spree. Did they still sell Coke? Probably, because it only specifies alcohol. I mean, I I have to, like I said, I have to think that there was something else there. Like, you don't just do this because you had a few drinks. I mean, you've seen what happens when I have a couple too many beers. I get the power drill. I pretend it's a a little pew-pew. No, you try to open cans with it, but yeah. We're not going to talk about that. I mean, we're always going to talk about that, but okay. Hey, at least I don't call them ad iron deck chairs. Abacus chairs, yes. I, I feel like there had to be something else to the you know like he yeah. was either it, it's mentally ill or yeah something something switched something went off to think that alcohol and soda with coke in it just to think that that could just send somebody so far off the rails to do something so horrible is terrifying 
Yes. Absolutely terrifying. I don't know if it's scarier to think of something like that, where it's just immediately a switch gets flipped and they go berserk, or to somebody who, like last week, uh, the Pachushkin, who was just very unassuming and then killed tons of people quietly and unknown to those around him. Like, I don't know which is scarier. Yeah, I, I don't know either. Like, the, the thought that uh, something can set someone off to do that or the fact that they're just always like that and they're just really good at hiding it. I think both are equally scary in their own way. Yes, they're very terrifying. But yeah, that's that's all of that story. And I, I would like to... Uh, to, to thank the uh, the Haunted Asheville Ghost Tours for introducing me to the story and our tour guide, Tad. Uh, he did a really good job. That's awesome. That's awesome. If I'm ever down there, I'm going to have to check it out. Yes, I definitely recommend it. As always, make sure to check out our website for all of the show notes, sources, and more information at thesquonkandthehag.com. And we would also love and appreciate your support by either leaving a review on iTunes or through small monthly donations using the viewer support link in the description. And if you don't subscribe, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast network to get notified of new episodes every Thursday. All right, Krakow, you ready? Okay, bye.